Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated for the Rufuash Shlema of Ezra ben Victoria, sponsored by Pauline and Soli Asa. Breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory of Yehuda Fatal, Alava Shalom Lilun Ishmad Yehuda Ephraim Fatal ben Rina, sponsored by Leah and Freddie Ini. Breakfast is also dedicated in celebration of the birth of their granddaughter, Renata Marcus Rahel Bat Gabriela, to Gabby and Nathan, sponsored by Michelle and Joseph Safra. God bless this girl, Renata Marcus. She has a lot of zechuyot. She's only uh, barely at, in the crib, and she's had so many zechuyot and berachot made in her name. Bezat Hashem. Everybody should receive what they want. Zechuyot for their children, for their parents, and please God, zechronot, and good remembrances for those that have passed and left us for a better place. Okay, let's get ready to rumble. Rabotai, <clears throat> we look at the story of Noah, and we'll cover the story of Noah hopefully from a few different angles. But one of the things I'd like to point out is a very interesting comment that's made by Haramban. Ramban tells us that if one was to analyze the dimensions of the boat, they'd realize something very interesting. Now, my stomach last night was hurting me, and I erroneously used the word nauseous. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but the word nauseous doesn't mean that you are feeling nauseous. The word nauseous means that you are causing someone to feel nauseous. The word nauseated would have been the correct word. But the origin of the word begins with the letters N-A-U, the, the name Nautica or Nautical. Nauseous really means someone who's made to feel ill because they are on a ship. So seasick is the correct term uh, for nauseous. That's, that's where we get this term. So in nautical terms, pardon me, Ramban de- declares that the boat that uh, Noach built to escape the Teva was a boat that would have sunk. They called the Teva Costa, what was it called again? The one that sunk? Costa Esmeralda. Except that uh, the captain didn't jump ship. Okay? So why in the world, now this bugs me. You know, if you have to build a ship really quickly, like, I don't know, Yocheved, so she builds a basket and sticks Moshe in it, fine. You know, I get it. Make miracles so that the boat should stand. But Noach is not exactly on a great time scale. Noach built this kind of with, uh, you know, with the red tape and the bureaucratic time frame that only municipalities, cities, and governments could sanction. We have a boat. It's going to be built in roughly 120 years. By one guy. By one guy. Okay? So if Noach is being granted this inordinately long time frame, Build a boat that lasts. Now, if Noah was already Jewish and he didn't know how to build things, fine. But this is before they were Jewish. Noah was a man who invented the farming implements. He was Mr. Toolman. So what's going on over here? So I want to share something which I think is very powerful. There was a young man living in Israel who came to Rav Chaim Kanievsky with a problem. He said to him, you know, Rabbi, I was sitting one day in my uh, seat in yeshiva, and he said, and I looked around and I realized that you have all these kolels, 
Lots of people learning, studying to become rabbis, studying to become teachers in Israel. And the Kolel network and movement is a vital part of the beating heart of the Jewish people. Is it always done right? Are all the people, right people in it? No. But you show me a business uh, which is perfect. A business, not a business, a single business, but an entire business system. Like, could you say about banking that banking was perfect? Or about, and that's in the private sector, or about real estate, that all real estate agents are running a perfect ship. There is no such thing. So, so too, the Kolel Network. It's not perfect, but it's a vital part. Otherwise, you don't have rabbis. People say, Rah, Kolel, this, that, that. How do you think the rabbi that you love, how did, he, how did he get there? You know, someone had to pay the bills while he was, you know, in the same way there's student loans, so to speak, uh, when you become a doctor. You know, you gripe about student loans, then you won't have doctors, you know? The problem is that no one wants to give a Kolel guy a student loan because when he gets out, he doesn't make enough money to pay back a student loan. So what happens? Society as a whole says, we're going to invest in our future teachers. That is the concept of Kolel, except that no one who ever sold the, the, the concept of Kolel ever sells it to the Kawais that way. Listen to this, Rabotai. So there's this guy sitting there by himself in the yeshiva, looking around. He sees every single one of his friends uh, who's studying to become a rabbi, whose passion it is to teach Torah when they get old, is, is struggling. They're not going to make it. Their families are unable to put food on the table. They're living in tiny apartments. You know, they're trying to figure out how to stretch that extra 50 shekel note another couple of days, another couple of weeks. It's a disaster. So he decides that he's going to take upon himself to start a kolel where they always pay on time. Who are they going to choose? Only the best and the brightest people that they know are going to produce, are going to, be, are going to come, come out the other side of the tunnel. You know what happens? Eventually, uh, this Kolel network, this Kolel gets set up, and people are realizing that if you want to really succeed, maybe this is the place to go. And then it grows so fast, he opens a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth, and he's got now a weight of all these different people these young men that are going to, uh, you know, go out and become leaders in the Jewish people on his shoulders. Every year God blesses this young man that he's able to carry the weight by himself. And one year, it's right before Rosh Hashanah, and he realizes he's $250,000 short. He goes to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, he says, look, God has blessed me in every part of this. I've been able to keep and maintain my own learning schedule and just do this on the side and look at what it's been able to accomplish. He says, what am I supposed to do? I'm short. Should I close up shop? And Rav Chaim Kanievsky said to him something which I think is very interesting. He said, different people have different levels of what they're allowed to expect from God. You have certain people that their hanhaga is a hanhaga nisit. The way God deals with them, it's miraculous. It doesn't make sense that they should be succeeding, but they are. You have other people that everything they try fails. A guy who everything he's trying is failing should recognize that maybe God wants him to tighten the belt a little bit. Maybe his dreams are a little bit too big for his britches right now. Maybe he should modify. But someone that's, he doesn't, he's not obligated to assume or to expect that something that he's been able to do for a while should suddenly stop. So he says to him, listen, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to uh, get on a plane and I want you to go to America. But I want you to go only for one day. 
Why? Because God's going to be the one that's going to give you the money. Either way, up until this time, you've been able to raise it in an inordinately qu- uh, quick way, which means God likes the system that you're running, the testing that you're doing with the, with the men, the ensuring that they're kind of on the mark, that they're doing it well, that they're leaving at the end, that they're going to produce for the Jewish people. Right? So listen to what he says. I want you to fly to America, but I want you to fly for one day. That way, you're saying, I'm maintaining my faith in God, but I have to do my bit, but I'm not going to overdo my bit. Guy says, okay. He books a ticket, comes to America, he starts raising money, it's going well. But he decides, he decides he's going to stay for two days. One day is very short, he decides he's going to stay for two days. In two days, how much does he raise? Exactly $125,000. Exactly half of the amount of money that he needs. He comes back to the, to the Rav Chaim and he says to him, listen, Rabbi, he says, this has never happened to me before. I went for two days to America and I raised half of the money that I need. Rav Chaim says to him, you went for two days? I told you to go for one day. That's why you only made half, because you did double the hashtadut that you needed to do. You should have only gone for one day. The guy says, he says, Rabbi, you're 100% right. I, I decided that this is up to me and that's why I thought I needed more time. But really, it doesn't take God more time. It was a failure in my emunah. That's what he says. The rabbi, he says, but what should I do now? Now I'm short, still 125. Soon it's going to be the holiday. Almost Now it's after you know, Kippur now. He says, soon it's going to be the holiday Sukkot. You know, the young lions, they need their food. They're going to go into the holiday. They need clothes. They need food. They need Sukkot. They need Metro game. So he says, what should I do? I, I, bottom line, I don't have the money. Chaim says, if last time you went and you spent too much time and you illustrated you didn't believe in God, this time you need to go and spend less time. He says, I want you to fly to America. It's a true story. I want you to fly to America and I want you to spend one hour there and then come back. So the guy, he's, listen, Rabbi Chaim Ganievsky is telling him this. He says, okay, I'll go, I'll spend one hour. He goes, but please... One hour from the landing, one hour from the driving, one hour from the picking up the luggage. When do I count the hour from? He says, one hour from when you get to the city, to Manhattan. He says, okay. He schedules a flight in. He finds the one flight that he could fly in, spend an hour, get back to JFK and fly home. He gets his luggage. I was thinking to myself, Shemaisa, this what guy luggage? gets, if he gets traffic, no luggage, right? I was thinking to myself, this guy hits traffic on the way to JFK, right? Khalas, he's done. He's like, you know, turn back around. And he gets in the cab, he gets to the city, no traffic. Right? He gets into the city, and he's brought with him two etrogim. So he tells the guy, he's got one, he worries, how many meetings is he going to get in an hour? One and a half, maybe? So he picks the name of the donor that he thinks is the most likely to come through. He tells the, tells the car, the, the driver, he says, take me to this address. The guy gets in the car, he starts driving to the address. As he's driving down Mabara, Fifth Avenue, he sees an address and he remembers, oh gosh, one of his other donors is at this address. Maybe he could squeeze in a second guy and he'll run in first to this one and then to the other one. He tells the guy, stop the car. Wait for me here, keep the meter running. The guy stops the car, he goes, runs up the stairs. Miracle of miracles, this never happens. Who opens the door of the office? The not the, second, the secretary, not this, not that. 
the, the owner of the company. He says, oh, hello, how are you? We haven't seen you in uh, some time. So nice to see you. He welcomes him in, straight into his office, no waiting, no, uh, you know, no meetings, everything perfectly. Straight in, he sits down. He says, you know, how can I help you? So the young man, he says, I'm coming from Israel. He says, and I brought with me the most magnificent etrog. He opens up the box, shows him, beautiful, perfect etrog. The guy looks at it, he says, you know, I love etrogim. He says, this is magnificent. How much you want for it? He says, $125,000. The guy says, you out of your mind? $125,000 you want for this etrog? He goes, he says, yeah. He says, it's perfect. This is what I need for my kolel. This is 125000 The guy says, no. Nah. He, goes, he goes, are you serious? He goes, this is a joke. He goes, I'm dead serious. He says, look, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Rav Chaim Kanievsky, and you could ask him if I'm serious. He does, and again, I don't know if you've ever tried to reach. This is like the gadol ador. Okay, I've tried to reach him. Sometimes it can take you two weeks to ask, get a question through the right channels like this. You have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows, you know, that's what it's like. So he, he dials the number, direct line of the Gadol Ador. Who answers? Rav Chaim Again, I, I heard the story. I'm like, I can't imagine Rav Chaim Kanievsky answer, you know, Kanievsky residence. I mean, I was like, he's middle of the area. What are the odds? The odds are like zero to nil. Answers the phone, he says, I'm sitting here with this young man. He has an etrog here. It's a beautiful etrog. He wants $125,000 for it. He tells me that's the price because this is what he's trying to raise. He needs for his kolel. He says, is it the right thing? Chaim says, it's the right thing. Guy hangs up the phone. He writes him a $125,000 check. Hands him the check. Guy gets in the cab, goes back to the airport. He doesn't even visit the other guy. And now he's got a nice etrog for himself. Rabutai. I shared with you this story because it taught me such a tremendous lesson in what emunah is supposed to be. Emunah means Hashem takes care of everything. Emunah means that if God wills it to be, it will be no matter what I do or how, so long as I'm doing the bit that I'm obligated to do. I don't need to do a drop more than what I'm obligated to do. All I need to do is follow instructions. Now listen to this. Why did the generation of the flood degenerate to a point where people were doing the things that they were doing. Our Gemara tells us they were immoral, everyone was stealing everyone else's wives. It had such an impact, the uh, adulterous nature of the time, that even the animals themselves were affected by the uh, sins of humanity to the point where animals were committing adultery with other animals. It's uh, an unbelievable concept, okay? But this was where the world was. It had sunk to its lowest nadir. Okay, it was in the deepest abyss. But says the Gemara, do you know why the Gizardin, the decree against the generation was sealed? It was sealed only because of Geza, because of stealing. Of Hamas, because of the, uh, uh, the, the stealing that they were doing. So what was the stealing they were doing? Go look at the Midrash, go look in the Gemara, fascinating. A guy would come to the market with a giant bowl, sorry, bucket of beans. As he's walking, everyone would take out one bean. Why? Because a bean is pachot mishaveh pruta. It's less than what the value of the smallest coin. That's not amount where legally you could take me to deen. 
You can't tell me that I've stolen something if all I had was the tiniest amount, right? Because bottom line, <coughs> uh, you know, it's, it, there's no, it's not something which has a legally determinable value. So everybody took a little bit. The guy has nothing to do. He arrives at the market with an empty bucket. And there's no one he can pin the blame on. So always bother me this point. Let me, ask, let me tell you why. Again, this always bothers me. When we say that you can't take anyone to court because it's less than Shaveh Peruta, what do we mean we can't take anyone to court? You can't take them to, a, to the court in Sedom? To a crooked court you can't take them to? No. We mean you can't take them to Bed Din. If you had a Bed Din with three of the biggest rabbis and someone took you, took you to Bed Din and they said, this guy stole from me, less than Shaveh Peruta, what would the Halakha be? You can't, you can't be Tovehahim Ledin. Because it's less than the smallest amount of the, va- of the value of a currency. So if that's the halakha, if that's the halakha, not a twisted legal judgment, if that's the law, how could they be punished? How could the world be wiped out? And the answer is, in the question that we began with, it wasn't about the stealing. It was about the fact that the people decided for themselves that if I can't be taken to court in this world, then I'm safe. If no one can throw me in jail here, I'm safe. But the idea of someone stealing something that belonged to somebody else, even if you can't take it out in halakha, that doesn't mean that it's correct. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be literally hell to pay from God. The idea of the crookedness of the generation came not from the fact that they were twisted in their desire, but it came from the fact that they felt let din vilet dayan. There's no judgment and there's no judge. So God tells Noah to build a teva. He tells him to tell everyone there's going to be a flood. And everyone is looking at the teva and they're like, mate, you're telling us there's a flood and you're building a boat that's going to drown. But that was the point. Because Noah said to them, God told me to build this boat. It's not going to make the tiniest whit of a difference if the boat, according to nautical laws, should be able to stay afloat or not. This is God's word. And this is what Hashem is telling me to do. If this is what Hashem is telling me to do, this is going to get me through uh, the tempest. It's going to get me through the storm. It's going to get me through the mebu. Rabutai. It is the job of every single person in this world to build teba, to build a ark that its dimensions are the word of God. When your business is seems like it's swirling, the you know, uh, in the you know, in the drain. When your uh, relationships feel, or you feel like the only way to save this situation. Uh, a friend is asking you to tell them someone else's secret. Come on, stop being so to so ill. When did you become so religious? It's not my secret to tell you. You know, what do you, come on, you, gotta, you, you spill the beans. And they get angry at you and you think, you know what, it's not worth ruining the friendship over this. I'm just going to... You have to recognize that although a lot of times it looks to you that the way to be able to sail through the, uh, the issues at hand is to do something which is incorrect. Bidvar Adonai Shamaim Naasu. With God's word, 
with God's breath. That's how God creates the world. That's how God saves people from floods. And it doesn't take you two days to raise the money. It doesn't even take you an hour to raise the money. And the person you thought you were going to go to, you didn't even make it to. And I took you down on the route on Waze or on Google Maps past the person that you needed to hit. Hashem is the one that governs and that navigates our ship. So God specifically told Noah to build it this way. We find one more example of this, and with this I'll end. The Gemara tells us that the Kodesh HaKodeshim had within it the Aron, uh, the Aron HaKodesh. And the Aron, it says, was Eno Min Hamida. It wasn't the correct size. What they were trying to fit in the Kodesh HaKodeshim wasn't the correct size. It shouldn't have fit in a normal way. How does it fit in the Kodesh HaKodeshim, which is too small for what it's trying to hold? It fits because if that's what God told you to put in there, it will fit in there. If God gave you this family and this is what he's given you to be able to make it work, it will work with what he's given you. If God teaches you or brings you to a situation and you know that this is the right thing to do, even though the situation would dictate that maybe if I do the right thing, it's going to cause me to fail, have no fear. The irony is that staying the extra day got him half the money. And when he stayed only for the hour and that's what he was doing, that got him exactly what he needed. Rabotai, it's so challenging sometimes to let our eyes deceive us into doing what we think we want to do to solve the problem and not doing the right thing. But bottom line, HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what he's doing. And as well, his mitzvot and his ma'asim tovim that he asks from us, they are our guiding light and they manage to bring us through the other side each and every time. May Hashem bless us with the fortitude and courage to be able to step into a ship that we think may sink. <laughs> because if God said it is the right thing to do, ultimately, it will get us through to the other side. Baruch Adonai Amen